Thank you, Pastor Bob. Don't you appreciate Bob? I hope you're getting to know him and uh, his ministry here. You know, the, the one thing, um, Tammy Jacob gave me a book. Yeah, our kids can be dismissed. This is just an amount. This is not a protest that they're leaving, uh, but our kids can be dismissed at Children's Church. But uh, Tammy Jacob gave me a book, um, I don't know, uh, probably a month ago, and called the An Autopsy of a Dead Church. And it went through all the characteristics of a dead church and the things that have happened in a dead church. And, and, and almost common in almost every church that had died was a lack of prayer. Uh, that at some point in their history, they had this vibrant prayer history, and it just began to fade and then disappear. And and I, I'm concerned about our, our prayer here. And, and I think that's partly natural. I've got to say that I, I've never been part of a church. I've never even in my own life felt like completely satisfied with my prayer life. Anybody else like that? Uh, that, that you, and, and I think there's that, that God places within us that natural desire for more. And so just simply because we, we want to have a better prayer ministry at our church doesn't mean that we're... Uh, completely lacking and it's completely inadequate. I, I think we do a, a lot of things fairly well, but I believe God wants us to cultivate a better atmosphere of prayer. And that happens in a lot of different places and spaces. It, it happens particularly in your Sunday school classes and your small groups. And I hope your Sunday school classes, I hope your small groups, I, 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 my, my prayer for your, you, my hope is that your Sunday school classes and small groups, if they're known for nothing else, are known as places of prayer. Uh, on Wednesday night, we, we try to have meaningful time of prayer. Sometimes we do better than others, but, but we, we try to, to particularly have meaningful times of prayer on, on Wednesday night. And then Sunday morning. I, I don't ever want us just going through the motions of prayer, but, but I want our prayer to be meaningful and significant. I want this church to be a church of prayer. And, and I believe Brother Bob, Pastor Bob, is a, a, an extremely valuable asset in that regard. He is, he is heading up our prayer ministries. Now, particularly what that means through the week is, if you have something particular you want him to pray with you about, you can contact Pastor Bob, he, his email, and, and you don't need to put that up there now, but his email and, and, and um, phone number, you can text him prayer request. Uh, Bob, through the week, does over-the-road trucking. And so uh, his second career, uh, praise the Lord, he, he pastored people so long that he decided for his second career he was going to drive a truck and stay away from people. No. <laughs> I, I Strike that from the record, please. <laughs> but, but Bob is available to pray with you. He has time to pray and he wants to pray. And we want you to get to know him, and we want you to feel free to share your request to him. If you give your request to Bob, unless you tell him to share it with me or share it with the rest of the church, it's going to be completely confidential between you and Pastor Bob. And so we want you to be aware of that. Well, we've been going through our series, Vapor, Seeking the Eternal in Our Fading Physical Lives. And, and this is week three. We've just got, and I got to tell you, I, I like the graphic when I made it, but I'm a little bit depressed every time I see it now, uh, the, the fog. Next time, we'll do a cheerier graphic, I think, Josh. You, got, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of a black and white guy, but uh, that's a little bit depressing, isn't it? We, we'll, maybe we'll put some flowers in there. But, but we, we've been talking about this for the past two weeks, and I believe we have this week and, and three more weeks to follow. And uh, we're, we're, we're operating with this premise. Our physical life is limited. 
We're, we're reminded of that almost daily. Just this past week, as I was at the hospital with Steve and his family and Joanne, as she passed away, our physical life is, is fading. It's limited. My, my Uncle Ray, just the, the last two weeks, and, and we see even in, in our own personal life as we begin to age. I heard a story. Uh, there were two older ladies riding in a car, uh, Martha and Mildred. And Martha was driving, and Mildred was sitting next to her, and Martha was just flying. And, and they came to the first stoplight, and Martha just blew through that stoplight. Didn't even hit her brakes. And Mildred kind of looked at her, and uh, maybe that was just an accident. Came to the next light, and zoom, just zoomed through that next red light as well. And finally, Martha looked over and said, Mildred? Or Mildred looked at Martha and said, Martha, do you realize that you have ran two consecutive red lights? And Martha said, oh, am I driving? (laughs) You know, we're physical beings, and our physical being won't last forever. And and we realize that. And, And just because our physical life is limited does not mean that it's less valuable. Our limited life increases the value of today. Today matters. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today matters. Today is all you have. You don't have yesterday. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. All you have is today. And and it matters how we live in today. Our limited life increases the urgency of today. Since since it's significant and since it is limited and and since it's all we have, there there should be a level of urgency of how we live today. So with that thought thought in mind, I want you to to kind of share with, with somebody around you, what is the most important task, the most important assignment you have this week. I want you to share with your, this is share time. What's the most important assignment you have this week? All of us have, you have to get Don from the airport, right Craig? Don't, don't forget you know, we all have obligations and assignments as I hear you talking with each other. Aren't you amazed, Clarence and Frank, when you're retired, how busy you get when you're retired? You know, you would think that when you're retired, that's the time that life gets easier. It gets harder, doesn't it? <laughs> Man, I almost got you guys shouting. But we all have schedules and obligations and things that we have to do. And and it's very easy for our task, our calendar, to almost become our God. And in this room today, there's probably two types of people. Well, there's more than two types of people. But but just generally, you have those people who are regimented. You know, they they are to the T, to the hour, uh, to be 15 minutes early to be late. I'm not going to have you raise your hands for these. And then you have your procrastinators, right? And this is the season I can tell which is which. Around Christmas time, if you had your Christmas decorations up by Thanksgiving with the, the presents under the trees all wrapped and pretty, you are the regimented type. If your Christmas lights are still up, 
don't tell me you just love Christmas. You're the procrastinator type, more than likely. But, but don't be alarmed if you're kind of a procrastinator. At least you went pro in something. Uh, <laughs> all right, can I, can I say that next service and not get in trouble? You know, we all have schedules and, 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 and we, we, we all do our best to meet our schedules. Schedules are about priorities and, and we all set priorities in our life by our schedule, by our calendar. But, but by the way we spend our time, we, we are setting the priorities of our life. By, by the way you live your life, you are saying what is important, what matters, what is significant. And all these things that you talked about amongst yourself, there's things we have to get done. But, but let me give you your most important assignment this week. Building our relationship with God and with others is the most important assignment you have this week, barring nothing else. There's nothing more important to accomplish this week than building your relationship with God and building your relationship with with others. There's nothing more important to accomplish today than building your relationship with God and building your relationship with others. Now there's a scripture in Luke 12, uh, 13 through 21. We're going to read this together. And this is this is someone talking to Jesus. It's out of the Gospels, of course, Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother. <laughs> To divide the family inheritance with me. You know, that's kind of a funny, you know, it just kind of strikes me. If Jesus was here, what question would you ask him? Hey, would you tell your brother to give, tell my brother to give me my money? But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. Hear that again. Even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of, a, of his possessions? In other words, even if you have your, a lot, your life is not summed up. Your life is not the sum total of what you have. Amen. And he told them a parable saying, the land, of a, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who... Who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, now there's a couple things this scripture's not saying. Number one, th- this scripture is not about, it's not Jesus saying, don't be prepared in your life. This is not Jesus saying it is a sin to be productive. This is not Jesus saying somehow that it's wrong to to earn an income, to have a good job, to have a good career. Jesus is not saying any of those things. Jesus is addressing greed. Jesus is addressing 
self-love. Jesus is addressing this attitude that the only thing that matters is what I own. He's responding to a question of a person who obviously has a broken relationship with his brother and he's not concerned about the broken relationship with his brother. All he's concerned about is he's not going to get his share of the estate. Jesus is not saying, I don't want you to prepare. I don't want you to think about tomorrow. I don't want you to do any of those things. I want you to live in the moment and just hope everything works out. Jesus is addressing greed. Jesus is addressing not only the the greed of the guy who was building the silos, but the greed of the individual who was more concerned about his inheritance than the broken relationship with his brother. Jesus is addressing those who think that things, possessions, that the wealth that we can build, the things that we can have, is more important than the relationships of this world. And he's talking about where we store up our treasure. He talks about being rich towards God. The man who has, the man or the woman who has many things and yet they're not rich towards God. They, they, and in this country we're rich, right? By the way, I, I did not realize that you were in the Hall of Fame. That is a ma- high five. Do you realize she's in the Marysville Hall of Fame? Wow. I am impressed. Are you embarrassed now? What was I talking about? Rich, okay. I better go back to my notes. I guess I probably should have taken my my distraction pills before I preached this morning. You know, Jesus is addressing this, this ideal that, that people can, can have all these resources, all these possessions, and yet somehow miss what's most important in their life. And we live in a world, we live in a country, and, and, and we say things like this, well, we are blessed by what we have. Sometimes what we're blessed by becomes the thing that curses us most. Um, you know, I, I've been on, in third world countries, where to look at them, you would think they're not blessed. But then you watch the relationships they have with each other, and you realize that they're the ones that are blessed. See, see we measure life by possessions, And folks, if you don't realize it, whoever you are sitting in this room today, we are rich. And we measure our life by that. And we can have all the possessions in the world. But if we are not rich towards God and we are not rich towards others, we're missing the whole point of this journey. I love that thing that you read today from from Max Lukatovic. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. It's what we're talking about. The priority of life is not 
things, but relationship with God and others. That's the priority of life. That's what matters. That's the assignment. That's, that's the mission. That, 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 that should be the, the tunnel vision, the focus of our life is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And, and this week we'll all have different circumstances. And if, if that is the focus, if, if, if the focus and the most important thing of today is my relationship with God and my relationship with others, the, the circumstances of today, the circumstances of this coming week should be viewed in a different way. You know, some of the circumstances you face this week will be great and some will not be so great. Some will be planned and some will be a surprise. But, but whatever you're facing this week, that there's a way that we should look at those circumstances that's different than what can I gain materially. I wrote these three questions. I, I think they're in your notes. How can this circumstance build my relationship with God? See, I, I think if we would ask ourselves these simple questions, if we would intentionally stop and ask ourselves questions like this in the course of our day, I think it would revolutionize our life. It would would change my life because sometimes I miss this. If we would just stop whatever we're going through and say, okay, this, this is a great, this is a terrible, this is a surprise, whatever the circumstance is, but is there some way in this circumstance that my relationship with God can get better? How can this circumstance build my relationship with others? You know, whatever you're going through. You know, ask, ask yourself, can, 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 can this, this circumstance make my relationship with Joe better? Whatever, you know, we're going through something. Can, can this make us closer? Can, can this teach me to love Joe Better and, and when I say make our relationship better, that's, that's what I'm saying. Can this somehow teach me to love that other person more effectively and better? What if you, and I know, no one in this room ever has had a fight with their spouse. I mean, I know that's just completely unheard of in the church. You know, we're holy, sanctified people, and, and we don't fight. Now i got to pray for forgiveness because I just lied. We all do. What, what would happen if when Terry and I had a tiff, and I want you to know that your pastoral family, we're pretty typical. We're like any husband and wife. Every once in a while, Terry will be wrong and we'll have a fight. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, What if in those circumstances, instead of thinking, how can I prove that I'm right? What if the primary question became, how can I use this this difference of opinion to somehow learn to love her better? How can the circumstance allow me to guide someone else into a deeper relationship with God? You realize that's an obligation we have as believers, right? Go into the world and make disciples of everyone. That that is not the obligation of just pastoral staff or Sunday school teachers. 
It is our responsibility. It's something all of us need to be doing. It, it, it's this call to lead people into this relationship with Jesus Christ that, that we have in our possession the winning lottery numbers. More valuable than the, 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 the winning lottery numbers. We have this relationship with this eternal loving God and, and he, he's given us the the, the privilege of joining him on this mission of the world, this mission of love and compassion. What if in the circumstances of today, when you're interacting with someone and, 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 and maybe you know they're not a person of faith and maybe you don't, what if in that circumstance, one of the first things you were asking yourself is, hey, is there an opportunity here for me to lead this person closer into a relationship with God? Is there an opportunity here for, for me to, to somehow, maybe just show the love of God? Maybe, and this happens, maybe it's an opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. There's not a person in this room and, you know, I've encountered a lot of people and, you know, I know a lot of people, oh, well, I'm to this or I'm to that or I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know the Bible enough or I'm too shy or I'm, you know, I'm just, that's just not me. It's not my gift. There's not a person in this room that, that if we are not attentive and we, we don't allow the spirit to move through us, that God won't give you opportunities to at least lead people closer into relationship with, with him. And, and, and I'll just say, I think almost everyone in this room, if, if, you, if you really want to and you really pay attention, God may even give you opportunity to lead someone in, in a prayer of salvation. We have this plant the gospel opportunity and you know, we did the just walk across the room, and, and in the just walk across the room, we talked about Matthew parties, and Matthew parties are where you intentionally have um, social events, parties where you invite believers and unbelievers so that you can begin to build relationships. And, and, and so you had this Matthew Super Bowl party opportunity. Folks, there is no more social night in America than Super Bowl Sunday night. Is there, Joe? You're an expert. You do advertising, right? I mean, they, 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 advertisers pay more money. Tell me if I'm wrong. They pay more money per minute during the Super Bowl than any other time. Is that right? Because they know people have gathered together in houses across America, and this year they're going to watch the Broncos beat the Panthers, right? Probably not. It's an opportunity to invite coworkers and friends and family members, kids, grandkids, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and invite others that, that share faith with you and, and you know, get your ratio right and so you can begin to build relationships. We're encouraging our small groups and our Sunday school classes to do this. And this is not, I'm not calling us to have a Sunday school party. I'm not calling us, we're not asking you to have a small group party. We're asking you to intentionally, purposefully invite someone to your home that, that maybe usually you wouldn't. 
You know, I think of this Upward and all that Upward we're doing, and, and several of you are involved in Upward. You know, what, what about an Upward team Super Bowl party? You know, so, some of those on your team are, are believers, right? And some aren't. Wouldn't that be a perfect opportunity to see each other? I mean, it, the, the connection's already there. And we're not doing it at the church. We're doing it in your homes. See, see the church, is, the church there, there's a place, a space. We love the church. We love together. But there's something unique and powerful that happens when you just have someone in your home. You say, this is, this is my space, but I want you to know you're welcome here, and I'm going to love you by, by giving you Doritos and watching you watch this football game with me. Relationship are the things that matter. These are the eternal things. I'm reminded of the story of Martha and Mary. and You guys all know the story. Martha's working like crazy and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet doing nothing. And finally Martha gets all upset and goes and complains to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you know, all that stuff, you know, it's fine. It's important. Maybe it needs to be done. But Mary's chosen the better things. My prayer for you this week is that you choose the better things. That there's all sorts of things that can cause us to, to, to chase and run. Choose the better things. Since time's limited, though, there should be a level of urgency. Because time is limited and relationships are eternal, we should handle them with this level of urgency. Now, now, it's not a time to panic, to, to tear our head, hair out. You know, I, I think when you use the word urgency, some, it can give you a, a wrong image. But, but urgent assignments call for intentional action. Now, Steve, I know you were, you're, were you a John Wooden guy? Did you like John Wooden? I like John Wooden. John Wooden, of course, was the coach. of. He played at Purdue, or as I like to call him, Perdon't. Uh, he played at Purdue, and, uh, and then he coached UCLA. I think they won seven championships in a row in nine and 11 years. And uh, Wooden was a tremendous coach, a tremendous coach in preparing. I, I've heard a story of uh, Bill Walton. Bill Walton uh, came in as a freshman. Most of you know who Bill Walton is. And he thought that Wooden was famous for his pyramid of success. And so the first time he meets with the freshman class, um, you know, Wooden, or Walton's expecting Wooden to talk about the pyramids of success or begin uh, to, to lay that out. And he said the first thing Wooden said was, okay, boys, the first thing I'm going to do is teach you how to put your socks on right. <laughs> so, so Wooden was known for that. He was a, a preparer. I, I, I found some quotes for him, but one thing he said is, failure is not fatal, but failure to change might be. I thought that was pretty good. But this morning I want to look at another quote. He, he says, be quick, but don't hurry. That, that was a, a woodenism. That's something that he would constantly say to his team. Be quick, but don't hurry. And, and I love that phrase but because I think it embraces a level of urgency, but not a frantic, um, not, not a, not a pull-your-hair-out urgency, but it embraces intentionality. And, and so there, there's five practical ways that, that I believe that we can be urgent in today, urgent in tomorrow, and we, we can be urgent in the coming week, and yet at the same time 
embrace a level of intentionality in what we're doing. The first is be prepared. As you go in tomorrow, as you go through today, be prepared. And when I say be prepared, I, I mean be prepared by the word and prayer. Folks, we, we face all sorts of circumstances, good and bad, and, and how we do it without prayer and without the word, I don't know. Be prepared in the word. Be, be prepared in your spirit to handle the circumstances of life. Be, be prepared by listening Listening, be aware, be prepared, be aware, be aware of God's presence. We, we believe in the prevenient grace of God, it means that he is the God who is always one step ahead. Love that phrase, wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, God is present. And, and, and the key to life, I believe one of the keys to life is to be aware of his presence. That God is at work in the circumstance that you find yourself in. I think we need to be aware of others. I think we need to be aware of opportunities. In other words, don't live with tunnel vision. Anybody ever, anybody ever go through a day with tunnel vision? I have. Where, where there's some goal or some, something that you want to see done, and, and you just develop that single vision, and, and it makes you less aware of, of what God's doing, what others are doing, what opportunities are there. Be aware. And then be flexible. You know, awareness changes our perception and our reaction. When we eliminate tunnel vision, when we're prepared, when we're aware, when we're flexible because we begin to see things in a different way. You ever misread a person? You ever think a person was, was stuck up when they were just shy? You ever have that happen? You ever have anybody misperceive you in that way, Right? Or, or, or think that somebody was angry when they were just hurt? You ever misread someone? See, awareness allows us to be flexible in the circumstances that we find ourselves in because sometimes, folks, we're just wrong. Say that with me. That's hard to say, right? Say, I'm wrong with me. One, two, three. I'm wrong. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Art. Art said, right. He said, I'm wrong. Right. Okay. Be persistent. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 said this about love. He said, first it says love is patient, but it says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, the Bible talks often about the need for perseverance and persistence. And, and, I, and I believe that, that persistence just gives you the ability to, to stand firm in your circumstances, prepared, aware, and flexible. And then finally, be courageous. Be willing to fail. Be, be a risk taker. Be, be someone who is Bold in how you love other people and how you love God and how you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm amazed in Acts that the, 
the, the disciples all gather around together and the, the early church gathers around, what do they pray for? Boldness. Make us courageous. Make us brave. See, why, why can we be bold? Last week we talked about our faith and our hope. We, we can be courageous and bold because we have this great faith in this great God that has never felt us and he never will fill us, right? That we can look back at our history, we can look at the scripture, and we see standing in the middle of this scripture, in the middle of our life, is this God who is unmovable, uh, unchangeable, who loves us, who, who sent his son to die in our place. And there is a security in that. And then we look ahead and there's this secure hope. We've, we've read the book to the end, and we know at the end we're going to stand in our Father's presence, and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And although this life has mattered, there's this eternal time that we're going to be with him. And so our faith and our hope makes us secure so that we can be risk takers. We can be brave. We, we can be willing to, to fail. We can be courageous. Now, all these things that I mentioned begins with preparation. You, know, you, you, can't, you can't be aware, you can't be, a, uh, you can't be courageous, you can't persist, you, you, can't, you can't be flexible unless you begin with that preparation, that intentional time. And there's a lot of ways we prepare, but, but, but can I tell you primarily as the people of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, as, as people who say we want to have the mind of Jesus Christ, we begin, our preparation begins with his word and prayer, right? You know, I, I know for some it's hard in the morning to, to, to spend significant time in prayer and in the word, but, but I think I would find time for a little bit of time because all you have is that day that's stretching out before you. And if you wait till the end of that day, and, and, and this is my, you know, if, if you feel I'm wrong, that's fine. But, but I'm, just, I'm just making a suggestion here. All you have is this day that's stretching out before you. And if you wait till the end of that day, the opportunities of that day have passed. And so maybe it's not that, you know, maybe in the morning you can't do a 20-minute a devotion, but but maybe you could take three minutes to five minutes to pray and, and find yourself in the Word. Maybe on the way to work, in your car, you can listen to the Bible. All these things begin with preparation. And not only that, it begins in this relationship with God. Today is all you have. God is love. And love begins and it ends in God. Love is centered in God. And to be centered in God is to know love. And if we want to be people of love, we can't just will ourselves to do it, but, but it comes from this relationship with God, right? It all flows from him. And, and so I've always said you can't, you can't give what you don't got. <laughs> That's probably not good English. But you get what I'm saying, right? If you don't have something, you can't give it. And I think sometimes our relationship with God is, is so lacking that we try to live this, but it's impossible to live it unless he's living in you and through you. Stand with me, if you will. Vicki, if you come.
I'm going to close, give you an opportunity to pray in closing. And, and maybe, maybe your relationship with God is just not right. And if you were honest this morning, you would say all these, you know, I'm struggling, Pastor, and, and what the Holy Spirit's saying to me is that I just got to get things right between you if I want to make things right with everybody else. And, and you're struggling, and you're working, and it's what you want, but you haven't done those first things. You haven't got that relationship with him in a way that allows you to, to live that life. And, and I'm not trying to place false guilt on you, okay? I understand life's a struggle, right? Right? We have good times and bad times. And, and, and this isn't about this, but, but this is about the Holy Spirit bearing witness to your spirit that, that there's some work that needs to be done. And we have these altars, and I think they're special. I mean, they're not the entirety of it. But, but I can tell you in my life, there's been times when the relationship's not been quite right, that I, by faith, have stepped out from a pew or a chair, and I've come down to an altar and pray, and God has never failed to meet me there. Today is the day. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. The writer in Hebrews says it like this, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later, and the word's already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. If we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, and we will fail. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. This is your time. We're going to wait just for a few moments and then we're going to close in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, right now we just stop and we thank you for today. This day that you've made, that gives us the opportunity to hear from you, to respond to your word. And Lord, we're thankful for every moment, every opportunity that you give us. We believe and we understand that it's a gift from you, a gift of your love. And Lord, we're thankful for that. 
We pray, Lord, that we'll make the most of today, living for eternal things, things that matter, for relationship with you and relationship with others, that we'll allow your love to fill us in such a way that, Lord, we have the ability to love other people. Lord, give us a a sincerity, a unity of heart, mind, and body, that, that the way we think and the way we live is consistent. Lord, may we never, uh, never, never become so caught up in circumstances that we fail to be aware of your presence. Help us to love you more today and help us to love one another more. And Lord, we're going to give you praise in all these things because you're worthy. You, you didn't spare your own son, but you sent him to die in our place so that relationship could be restored so that we could live in this fresh awareness of you, so that we could approach your throne with boldness, with our great high priest, Jesus, standing before you, bearing our sins, aware of our temptations and our testings, interceding on our behalf. Now, Lord, I pray for that one, that um, this morning you gave them opportunity, and, and Lord, they, they're still struggling with how to say yes. I pray, Lord, that more opportunity will be given. And as opportunity is given, Lord, uh, that they will find a place and a space and someone to pray with them, Lord, to make sure a relationship with you is right because ultimately that's all that matters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.